Why don't we get more Sean Connery singing in this movie? We get is one it... week of Sean Connery, bro. And this is it. This chunk yeah, I is think we're done chunk. after this week. All Sean Connery, all the time. Here we are. to be king. We're the princes of the Welcome, Sword Boys, to another episode of Sword Boys. Sword Boys, cut by cut. Woo-hoo. Highlander. 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 And, and may I'm, I say a, mm-hmm. uh, a a good a good a good day to the Sword Ladies as well. <laughs> Hello, Sword Lady, my ladies, <laughs> my Sword Ladies. A hearty welcome to all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. It is a oh. very special week. We are oh. starting episode four. <laughs> 40 minutes, 48 seconds. To oh, you're trying to do this in the, the whole time. Yes. <laughs> the episode begins with Connor on the couch sharpening his blade, and it ends with Heather in the murderous grips of the Kerrigan. You're, the turning, Kerrigan. you're turning into a Scotsman. <laughs> well, I was trying to sneak a little bit of Egyptian in there with oh, just yeah. a touch of I, Spanish. I, I, well, I just How saw Black Adam, so, you know. <laughs> Oh, you sound like The Rock. That's basically what Egyptian sounds exactly. like. Exactly. Yep. Or uh, Oscar we did, Isaac. And, I love that we uh, didn't introduce ourselves. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> I'm Robin. And I am Rick. <laughs> Welcome to Sword Boys Episode 4. Cut 4. Yep. This is a good cut. This is the best cut. Yeah. This is We were talking about it in the green room. This is the cut. This is all the Sean Connery is in this movie because he's there a week and they I, shot this, our cut. <laughs> I really love how we got a little bit of an appetizer taste of him last week, mm-hmm. and now we're just going hard in. He is, is the first voice we hear this week. It's so great. Uh, and it, start, it starts with uh, some uh, cleaning of a sword. Okay. Yes. He's he's sharpening, sharpening the blade. He should be cleaning the fish tank. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> Maybe like, he sharpened the, the fish tank as well. <laughs> also, it's like that that loft is full of smoke right now. They uh, it's built over a smelting plant. But to say, is there a fog bank rolling in off of the Hudson River and it's made it all the way to his apartment? Connor's (laughs) Connor's got his uh, his katana. He's uh, sharpening it because he needs to. We know from the previous episodes and you can even see when they get really close. This thing is jaggedy as shit. Oh, yeah. It is extremely cut up. So, yeah. He's sharpening it, and also, I guess, does that repair it? Does sharpening it, it repairs those little nicks, right? Well, I mean, all it does is it gets rid of that material. Right. I happen to (laughs) consult an expert uh, on this whole thing. Uh, I'm bringing her on right now. Her name is Brenda. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, (laughs) Oh, from Scranton, Pennsylvania? Yeah, yeah, I could not get Brenda in here, but I did consult Wiki, Wiki How, because uh, I needed to know, you know, some tips about sharpening a sword. It says, especially like an antique sword, like do not sharpen an antique sword unless you're an expert at at, at sword sharpening. I almost said short sharpening. Sword. <laughs> sword sharpening. Uh, you, he's not doing, uh, this correct. Cause it also says work in a well-lit area with no distractions to minimize your risk of injury. So, okay, so not in a smoky filled <laughs> next to a yeah. t- tank of bong water. Yeah, his mind is, <laughs> is occupied. He's reflecting. He's, he should not be doing, he should be focused on the task at hand and it should be well lit. To also, be fair, he's probably an expert though. Remember, if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you're an expert. So, yeah, <laughs> that's true. There's got to be metal shavings going all over that carpet. 
Uh, yeah. And that is just as bad as splinters. You step on those suckers, those will hurt. So where are the shavings going? <laughs> Does he shaving that? Also, and- besides that, every time I've seen a professional sharpening setup, like you don't just take a rock and slide it against the blade. <laughs> like you make you use proper sets of whetstones and you place them in like a little bath and then you're like running the blade along these very expensive looking yeah, stones. Yeah, you run the blade across this whetstone, not the whetstone across the blade. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. I mean, you. I've seen people like, sh- I've seen people. <laughs> I've seen in movies, uh, people, you know, sharpening <laughs> arrows or sharpening spears like that. Should we not sharpen our swords like that? No, when yeah, they're I- sharp, I, in every movie I've ever seen with arrows, they always have a whetstone and they're grinding it like they have their hand on it, kind of like they're kneading dough. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. That's how I've seen it. Uh, yeah. I, I'll give it to heads. him. <laughs> yes. Uh, this was the only difference in this one little part is that we know that Heather's father was a uh, was a uh, uh, ancient sword person in the movie that doesn't even come up. <laughs> like this is this is a oh, really? Peter Wyatt is an ancient weapons expert and his daughter is now also an ancient weapons expert. Why we needed to validate her with having a, a father that did it too? Why couldn't she just be the expert uh, first? It doesn't make any sense. That's why <laughs> it doesn't make any sense why she would learn something on her own. Oh, I got you. Without being influenced by a male, right? I mean, I, I, I'm sure in the movie they <laughs> they probably cut it. There was probably a reason they were like, "Why would she be a forensic scientist working for the police?" Oh, actually, that's her day job. This is this is her passion. Yeah, and right. and um, just so you know, Robin, that's called a book or a book. I can't really <laughs> remember what that's called. Haven't seen those in a long time. But uh, Connor's looking at what is considered a book. Oh, it's that thick the square. You find on tablets. <laughs> yeah, it's like a thick tablet that you have to flip through. It's like oh, a manual a tablet. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> so much future trash. So much future trash. How many <laughs> copies of Brenda's book are in the trash at this very moment? Oh, oh that, how this, much landfall is it? That didn't up? sell. It only sells to Highlanders. It's uh, literally a Highlander-based book. Oh, uh, oh, we've all read Brenda Walsh's book. Wyatt, you guys are me. you guys are familiar with how you get a book on the New York Times bestseller list, right? How practice your publishing company buys up all of the copies oh right yeah and then the interns at the publishing company just hand them out to people i can just imagine we're not going to brenda's apartment yet but (laughs) if there's a cut scene where connor goes into a room thinking it's the bathroom and it's just an empty room full of boxes of these books that she's still trying to get rid of because the publication (laughs) company bought them all for her great thing about that book though if you look on the back it not only has a picture of her and her biography, it's also its own whetstone. So you can use her book to sharpen <laughs> any sword you have. Little known fact. Books can be used to sharpen swords. Yeah, you just take that dust cover off and boom, there you go. That's a sword boy's fact you can take right to the bank. Obviously, here in the movie, you can't see the entire blurb. No. But I went on a fan forum. I actually had to make an account for this, oh, so oh I don't God. know what kind of list I'm on now. Oh, you're on a nerd <laughs> list, a very but, specific nerd list. We have to consult experts, though. This is what Rick yeah. does for the podcast. But a fan recreated the dust cover <laughs> for this book oh. so that super fans of Highlander can print it out and put it on know, other books, on some hardcover <laughs> to pretend they have a copy of it. Oh, but, that's that's pretty that's pretty great. If but, if if I walked in your house and you had a this book, like the history of whatever it is, ancient swords mm-hmm. on 
on your shelf, I'd be like, is this the Brenda Wyatt book? Like, yeah, that's a <laughs> metallurgical right history there. of ancient sword making sword I mean, making I, with, I, an, I, with a hyphen like Ant-Man. Uh, exa- uh, yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Like, that is one of those books that I would love to just have on my shelf. Be for, Not that I'm going to read it. Uh, it's a joke I book. Have, yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason I, mean, I have books in my house now. Anyway, they're all joke books. <laughs> Literally. I just buy like, you know, old, truly tasteless joke books from like you know, from uh, what Spencer's Gifts. Oh, the truly tasteless ones. You don't remember those? Oh, yeah, I do. I'm just saying that. that, that, that <laughs> like they had categories. If me. you read those categories out loud now, you would be canceled in a second. <laughs> it's so bad. It's just like wasps, blind people. <laughs> uh, Most of the things. Other you horrible Spencer's things gifts. you shouldn't talk about. <laughs> yeah. Canceled these days. Yeah. Um, but would you like to hear Brenda's full bio from the oh, back yes. of her? Bio? Are we going to see her full bio later? No, that's a that's a different scene altogether. Okay, yeah, yeah, tell it to us. So, I just got that. Okay. Brenda J. Wyatt, born in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Brenda Jessica Elizabeth Wyatt lived in 26 states before her Air Force Colonel father retired to New Jersey. Air Force Colonel father who also loves metallurgy and yep. sword making. Here, Miss Wyatt graduated cum laude at the Rutgers University. She persisted to attend the archaeology class. Later, her father moved to Florida to spend his time attempting to trace the ancestry back to his 16th century namesake, poet Sir Thomas Wyatt. In 1980, Brenda J. Wyatt went to New York City, where she started a collaboration with the New York Police Department as a forensic forensics expert. Is that is she not a doctor? Uh, I don't think because he called her Miss. That might just be 80s BS, but it doesn't say Dr. Brenda Wyatt. Is she supposed to be a doctor? Did I don't I know. Miss that? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't know. It seems like she went oh, to well, the cops call her. her. Uh, Hello, Brenda. Brenda. You're <laughs> looking good. pretty tonight, Brenda. I did not hear doctor at all. Also, uh, the word persisted struck out, uh, stuck out to me. Did oh, Mitch did McConnell write this? <laughs> <laughs> she persists. Yeah. Nevertheless, Brenda persisted. <laughs> She graduated from Rutgers, and then she's like, I know I graduated, but I kind of want to take the archaeology class. And they're like, all right, we'll take more of your money. We don't care. So we're saying she might have a master's. Uh, that that seems very feasible. Well, uh, I elect her as an honorary sword master for the podcast. Oh, she's a, she's a, to, you know what? We're actually going to talk about another sword master this podcast, but we'll get to it. To okay. be, I mean, let, let's let's talk about there. We've not talked about this yet on the show. There are rankings. We are we are but lowly sword boys. We have not become sword men or sword masters. We do not have seats on the council. No, <laughs> we not, have not attained the rank. Uh, can I just interject before you get into that by saying I went to Hibachi for the very first time? Uh, no, how I, was that? I, I well, I'm 15 apparently because uh, <laughs> yeah, you've never been to Hibachi. <laughs> I've never been to Hibachi. Yes, you never went uh, on a date in high school. <laughs> basically, yeah, it was a it was a Valentine's Day uh, date. Sorry to. Aww. Did you and, bring up uh, your freaking girlfriend on the podcast? Oh my no, god! No, I, I wasn't even going to mention her. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so my did. girlfriend Kim took me out uh, <laughs> for Valentine's Day. She's amazing. So, so yeah, the 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 chef he kept calling me young boy, young boy. He's like young boy, and he like flipped food to me or squirt the sake in my mouth, which doesn't sound. Excuse me. Say out loud. Yeah. I what did you go to again? Did so you? He's, go- so he's he's calling me uh, young boy, young boy, and I was like thinking like oh like a, he must know I'm a sword boy. His, is that teppanyaki or nuru massage which one did you go to i don't know i don't remember anything after so. 
that sake hits you real hard. <laughs> yes. Stronger sake. <laughs> is that what you are before you're a sword boy? You're a young boy? What? Yeah, young boy. Young boy can grow to a, a sword boy. Anyway. <laughs> or sword person. So <laughs> Again, a sword, po- a sword boy is uh, your everything. Sword boys right. are everything. Everything to us, at least. So, yeah, I think they only kept the, the tank boggy so they could literally transition to the lock. Right. Oh, I thought we were going into rankings. We were not. I didn't. I thought I interrupted you. Or are you? Are you saving that? <laughs> Wait, rankings for what? Sword like, people. Did you say there was a? I said it was. It was. It was. It's sword. Uh, well, you said now it's. Uh, it's young boy <laughs> becomes sword boy <laughs> becomes sword master. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we we covered it. There may be one above sword master, but we're not there yet. Yeah. All right. I think a, a true swordmaster can understand that sometimes, McLeod, the sharpish blade is not enough. It's you really have probably the worst of the accents. <laughs> I love it though. I am the least sharpest blade on the on the podcast. I, I will I will hold that title. The sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> I am quite dull. Hey now, you're a Highlander. That's basically what this scene is. It's hey now, you're a Highlander. Get your game on. Uh, the uh, a great transition. Can we move on to the transition? Yeah, let's you leave know. the '80s behind just for this time. Uh, we transition uh, to yeah. the bo- to the boggy uh, to the to the uh, the the dells of of Scotland and <laughs> and uh, hey, Hall. they're on a boat, guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I see Mr. Miyagi is singing to Daniel about balance, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, he's and Daniel is balancing on the boat. You know, learning about this. Wait, what podcast am I on? Say, are you having some sort of weird flashback? <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, uh, did they did they take this from Karate Kid or? Until I saw this with subtitles, which I'd never done before. I did not know he was saying spelling balance. <laughs> yeah, me either. I thought because his, his accent sounds like V. So I thought because later on he's singing like a like a hymn. Mm-hmm. I thought he was singing <laughs> yeah. a, a, a like a hymn. Valency. I, I I couldn't tell it like it could be Valencia, you know what I mean? Like it's like Italian, it's like it's, or Latin. Yeah, could be singing could about be electrons. Of, you know, no, he's talking about balance, man. And he's <laughs> he could got, be a big fan of curtains. Yeah. Oh, the curtain, the curtain, the Kurgan. <laughs> oh, the curtain. Oh no, no, no. He's he's the while the Kurgan may be the strongest among us. The curtain is the silliest <laughs> immortal out there. Once the once the curtain comes out, darkness is, is spread across <laughs> the room. <laughs> the 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 curtain. He's he's when he when he shows up, you think I dress like a like a a Spanish peacock. Just wait till you meet the curtain. He's ridiculous. This. It's funny, the tone of the scenes, because we know we talked about this earlier. You know, Sean Connery is only there a week. The tone of these scenes is so focused. They get every shot is so well done. I think because everybody's like, everybody needs to have their shit together. Mm Because next week, Sean's coming in. Mr. Connery is going to be here. And we got to be like freaking ready. He's getting drunk at 7 a.m. and he's not (laughs) sobering up. Yeah, I read that he was he's he was also like a bit critical, you know, when he was there, like not that people are doing their jobs right at first, and then slowly he loosened up. It might have been the alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we learned we learned uh, two two episodes ago that they had extras that were just drunk running around throwing around swords. So <laughs> yeah. I assume this was not the tightest ship for movies that that yeah. Mr. Connery has been on. So 
Yeah, th- this is so good. He's uh, he- he's in the boat. Which I love that he's got him in the boat. He's already got him balancing. Like, how did... Okay, uh, first I meet you and your beautiful g- girlfriend. And then, let's go get in this boat. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're first... Because they're, like, they've just met each other. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the same day. Do you? I feel like it's the... Like, this is the <laughs> afternoon from the morning when he was doing it to Heather in the uh, on the ground. Oh, so Ramirez is also on... Uh... He's like, all right, we got to wrap this up, McLeod. <laughs> I'm only here for a week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it feels like I am actually. <laughs> I think I think in the book it says that he's been there two months. Um, uh, that's because I mean, obviously. So so just so you know, he only has two months of training in this okay. sword sword fighting. So he's a quick he's a quick learner. It's Skywalkian. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, I Connor hates boats, hates water. Pretty weird for a guy loves who haggis. lives at a who lives at a castle nearly surrounded by water, and you get to it by a bridge. Well, I, I just figure there's a lot of fishing and boating going on all the time at Castle. I would Cloud. think if you're a fisherman, you should probably know how to to swim. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. He is a noble, a, a nobly birthed individual. He yeah. was not going out on the boats. He wasn't doing the fishing. He probably uh-huh. saw fishing as you know beneath him because. You know, he doesn't like boats. He's all not a, he's a man, not a fish. fish. When you think about it, all water's beneath you. <laughs> yeah, but also, you got to remember, Robin. Is wrong. Remember, Robin, he's only 17 years old. <laughs> he hasn't true. had time to learn how to. He's yet. a young boy. He's a young, young boy. <laughs> he's, a young boy. He's, not, he's not a sword boy. He'll be a sword boy halfway through this, and he'll be a sword master when he's in the 1980s. Does Sean Connery look like a woman to you guys? <laughs> I have never seen a woman dressed like that. No, he does not look like a woman. He looks like Shakespeare in love extra. Yes. It's, he's got a very English because we know we know we, we years were kind of in. So it, it, it all kind of I feel like he just came over from England. He keeps calling him Spanish. Is it just because his last name is Ramirez? I mean, he did say that he worked in the Spanish court. Right. But he doesn't seem Spanish. I mean, right. you, you gotta you gotta go with what people tell you. But yes, uh, he made that maybe <laughs> Spanish court clothes. I love them. This we talked about it last week. The costume's ridiculously nice. I, actually, I say it's nice. It's actually just got a bunch of weird crap hanging from it. But and well, it's a weird embellishments. I wish I knew. I don't know what shape he's. In. It feels like he's. I mean, we'll see it later in the fight scenes. Those are those are um, a lot of those scenes are doubles. You know, some of the some of the. Uh, the, the oh show, god, those the, huge mountaintop scenes! Yeah. Like, yeah, like when, <laughs> when no, you we're see, not gonna drop because when you watch it later, if you watch Sean Connery's got a nice tuchus, and the whoever they got as his double has a big like dump truck dumper. <laughs> and every time I'm watching the scene, I'm like, God, Sean Connery's ass is so big. <laughs> that costume doesn't help, by the way. That costume accents your ass a thousand times because yeah. it cuts it, off right there. So yes, this is uh he explains what haggis is to Sean Connery, who doesn't know. Something I learned as a kid, I was like, wow, I've never heard of Haggis. This is where I learned about it. And then really? Paul Haggis won a, an Oscar for uh, Crash. And I was just like, how revolting. <laughs> no, have, have either of you ever eaten Haggis? Because yes. that is not something no. I've been able to do. I've eaten it many times. I went uh, as wow. a kid. I was lucky enough in my <laughs> 17 and 18s. My parents took me to Ireland and Scotland. And when we were in Scotland, uh, we went to a couple that, you can go to dinners like if you know how when here in America when you have an event you go to a God, what am I looking for the cheesecake factory or some you know mm-hmm. someplace bigger where you can have an event we would go to castles because that's where they had events so like they're like 20 to 25 people you go sit down in a castle and they give you the old food 
it's a lot of boiled stuff, a lot of potatoes and a lot. And I had haggis and it's, it's freaking great guys. I'm sure there's gross ah. haggis. Once it's boiled, the sheep's bladder, it doesn't, it's not a bladder anymore. It like it, it's like cheesecloth. It's literally like something holding a bag of meat. It's a, it's, Think of it as loose meatloaf. That's not selling it. I know, <laughs> but because they don't bind, it's not bound with like ketchup and, you know, it's just all that meat and barley and, you know, and, and, and herbs. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I think and the also smash it in with some, some uh, potatoes. It's fine. It's fine. The important thing is that you don't eat the stomach. The stomach does not factor into you. the eating part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, it's just so a so vessel to hold. Into it. Oh, you know, okay. These so guys sound like a bread bowl. It's like it's exactly what it is. Right. Haggis is yeah. just a bread bowl. <laughs> but you I, eat the bread. You don't. It's eat more the like stomach. a bread bowel. <laughs> <laughs> that does not sound good at all. I'm revolting. Yeah. If you can't, if you're revolting, if you can have haggis, try it. I actually like it. It's fine. Yeah, it. it I will looks say so I, I've eaten it in the past 15, 20 years, though. Maybe it's changed. I, I don't. Have, I, I don't to. get a big. I don't get big. I don't get big into. Hey, you may want haggis. No one ever makes it. Yeah, I think yeah. equating it to meatloaf might be the best descriptor for it because I watched a very short video from this place in Scotland and they like like specialize in haggis and they're like these are all the ingredients you got uh, sheep heart liver lungs onion put all that into a meat grinder you mix it with oatmeal suet uh, mace which is just you know outer husk of nutmeg salt pepper and broth you mix all that into a sheep stomach so it's all in this little package tie off the ends of the stomach boil it for an hour and a half two hours and then it just comes out as this it kind of looks like a meal yeah like when it was brought to our table uh it was like a family style so it was like a plate of bladders and then you would take one not with your hand you would they would serve you one and you just slice it open and it would be steaming meat Mm -hmm. delightful yeah. I mean, the it's kind of, horrifying the, in how it is presented to you, but it's great. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like a meat pie filling. Yeah. Like visually. Yeah. We're just talking like about a lot it. of things that all sound better than what we're talking about. Because we're like, you know, like a meat pie. Meat pies are great. Yeah. So I don't you know, can't when you swim. Bread bowel, I was, uh, I was definitely not sold. You can't swim. <laughs> we're doing better now. He, uh, he's mad because he, he doesn't know how to swim. And so he's like, you're an idiot. You're an immortal. Doesn't matter if you know how to swim, and right. then then uh, Robin's favorite scene happens. He goes underwater. Yes, and I feel like this is is this now contested in the lore of how breathing works because he says he can breathe. Yeah, it's just I can I can. I breathe. thought he wouldn't like, need to breathe because he's immortal, so he doesn't actually need to breathe. Instead, it's like, oh yeah, you can breathe water. That again, this scene, this is a we got a week's worth of this in this chunk. This chunk, this cut yeah. is all about. The quickening, another vague thing that they still get confused me yet, yet again in this in this cut <laughs> so about true. what it actually is. Is it pain? Is it orgasm? It feels like both. I don't really know what's happening. <laughs> so, you know, so Sean, a person also, I guess so. So Sean Connery knocks him. Uh, Ramirez knocks him into the water like Miyagi. Yep. What bothers me is that, like, he goes underwater. It's I, I think it's the light. He goes underwater. He start that, when he starts laughing. It's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah, they do some sort of audio modulation to his yeah. voice, and he chops at the seaweed underwater. You know, uh, but then I'm like, wait a second, this is cool and everything, but why doesn't this come in handy later? 
Like, why doesn't he uh, approach the Kurgan from underwater or fight the Kurgan <laughs> underwater at all? Or, or, or just like he, he's in a place, he's in some sort of pressurized place where you run out of oxygen and he's just like, remember back earlier in the movie? You want him to I be in the Hudson wrote? River? Like, what do you, you oh want to be in? There are so many things in the Hudson River that will kill you besides drowning. <laughs> how do, how does an immortal stand up against like tetanus and hepatitis and all that other stuff? But also, it's like, yeah, like you said, he's like, you can breathe underwater. So that doesn't mean that he, if there is no oxygen, he can't breathe. Like that just means underwater he can breathe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway, he comes out and he's covered in seaweed, which is great. Great shot. <laughs> it had to be forty degrees. That water yeah. has to be oh, freezing cold. God. And he comes out and Ramirez is sitting by the fire like a Spanish peacock. Yeah. And he uh, <laughs> wondering about Haggis. Like maybe it is good. Maybe I was wrong all these years. <laughs> The fact that he doesn't yeah. know about it is weird because in my mind, he's the oldest immortal mm. other than like the Kurgan, maybe. Well, I, I did stumble upon some uh, trivia uh, oh, because uh, you know, mostly this stuff comes from IMDb, so who knows? So yeah, Connor calls Ramirez. Yeah, Connor calls Ramirez a Spanish peacock. Ramirez is like, I'm Egyptian, and then Connor's like, you're a liar. So it's kind of debatable whether any of this is true, but in the trivia, it said... The fact that Ramirez sounds Scottish, even though he's supposed to be Egyptian, might have some truth to it. Scottish mythology claims Gauls, Scottish people, descend from an Egyptian princess named Skota. Since Ramirez was born before crisis, plausibly could be a part of the Egyptians that came with Skota. Uh, so, mm, okay. So, yeah, but he didn't so know what Haggis originally is. he's Scottish. Yeah, exactly. That he doesn't know maybe no. Haggis was not BC Skota. Did Maybe. we talk about did we talk about his uh, Ramirez's original name? According to the Highlander fandom, <laughs> he was born in Egypt around 896 BC and his original name was Takne. And he may have been one of the original people to fight the Kurgan when the uh when the Rome was sacked. Yeah, there's a whole some thing, something like that. Not maybe not Rome, but maybe Greece. Some something was happening with there were some Huns. Of some sort, some Visigoths. I don't know. <laughs> Ramirez has a much more extensive history outside of the movies, oh, yeah. thanks to all of the comic books and stuff. Yeah. Um, Ramirez it, is the it, he's the originally before you know modern times. He's the Obi Wan Kenobi of the movie in that he has a history no one knows, and we can just make it up. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. unfortunately, we've we've kind of filled in all the gaps on. Obi-Wan other than his childhood like we don't know baby we don't know little baby Obi little young, young Obi like young, young boy <laughs> I don't know young boy Obi yeah like uh, Ramirez's uh, Qui-Gon Jinn to keep the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing going is a character from the TV show uh, in the TV show he was known as known as Graham Ash uh, and then he also picked up a little bit from uh, Nakano which is another character, I think, from the third movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the like wizard gentleman. Yep. We'll meet in the ridiculous third movie when we do that someday. But uh, Ramirez oh. was also at one point a Spartan that fought against the Persian army invading Greece. Sure. He was a Spartan, actually. Spartan. Spartan. That was uh, the this first time. <laughs> it yeah. does sound like Gerard, doesn't it? His time as a Spartan was actually the first time that he fought the Kurgan in the Battle of Plataea. Uh, th- this, all this stuff is hooey. I love it. 
<laughs> Whatever. And it's all unnecessary for the movie. Yeah. Like, you don't need any of this backstory. I'm only here a Sean week. Connery. I don't need this much story in my background. <laughs> yeah. Got a week. Only one week. Seven days, guys. Uh, Seven days. When So Connor tries attacking, and uh, somehow Ramirez uh, disapparates and apparates behind him and holds a sword to uh, Connor's neck. And that's, if you're, you know, a, a close movie watcher and you're watching this for the first time, you might go, wait a second, that's Connor's sword he's holding. What's happening here? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the first good look at Ramirez's sword. And uh, I, I looked this up because I wanted to know the difference before we got into it. The samurai sword, it's, it is a samurai sword. It uses a couple different martial arts techniques as it's like sword style. It's called Kinjutsu, which is very close to uh, what uh, Jujitsu, which is what Samurai Warriors. Jujitsu is Samurai Warriors, karate, whatever you want to call it, judo. But Kinjutsu was the katana style fighting style, which is, you know, that two handed poking. There's a lot of poking. Ramirez pokes a lot more, whereas the Highlander well, uses a claymore. So he's using slashing and mm-hmm. and, and uh, sheer strength. I just wanted to have that in there. A true sword boy should know what fighting style we're fighting with. Absolutely. I don't know if that's what we're fighting with in this because there is no. Uh, I'll, I'll bring this up as we, um, if, if no one else has a note on this part and we get into the training, I can explain something. But let me know. I do, do have, have one more thing about this. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. The little funny moment where fish falls out of his kilt. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, Lambert's kilt was too short. The director of photography, Arthur Smith, uh, ran a drain pipe above the kilt out of camera range and fed live trout down the tube. <laughs> so oh, they just okay. fall out of his kilt. Oh, so those <laughs> so those brushed his bare ass probably on their way out. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Great. And uh, yeah, I, I I have to mention like I I love that like they're Connor is just like still like. This is the devil's work, you know, and Ramirez is like, just accept it. You know, Connor just kind of laughs at this and his face gets serious and he looks at Ramirez like, it's just like, I hate you, (laughs) which I think is like a great reaction because, you know, it's, it's like, thank you for upending my life. I was just getting things uh, Mm -hmm. together and now I'm learning all this stuff, which may or may not be helpful. Yeah, Rick, well, some, Rick, you love you love re-editing things. I would love it if you re-edited the Highlander. There's some good scenes in here. You could make this into a funny comedy buddy movie with the Kurgan, Ramirez, and Connor McLeod. Because like when the fish fall, like a wonk wonk, you know, like, like, a, <laughs> like kind of a you could make a, a in like him mom. You could make a funny version of this movie. It's just <laughs> these three immortals farting around, like having a great old time. Like literally farting around. Yes. Uh, oh, it could be like the bucket list. Just something like that. It's the bucket list, but they never die. <laughs> yeah. Why would you have a bucket list? <laughs> so, you know, we're about to get into the fight scenes and I wanted to go over. Yeah. We, we, I think we mentioned him earlier. Bob Anderson was the, here we go. He is the sword master of this movie. Uh, if you don't know who Bob Anderson is, you've seen him a million times. He was the stunt double in Empire Strikes Back for and Return of the Jedi for Vader. Uh, he is six one, so he, anytime you see a shot that's from a low angle, it's probably Anderson if he's using the lightsaber because Prowse had a, a ability to break the swords because he's just a big goofball like with the swords. So he he you'll know Bob Anderson from a ton of stuff. Bob Anderson he was a sword master on a million things. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, 
He was on the, he's not always Swordmaster. Like it doesn't have him lenses as Swordmaster. Sometimes he's just considered a stunt man because he's a, you know, a, a, a swordsman. The Mask of Zorro, uh, stay tuned. We're definitely going to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But we, after we get through the 80s stuff, we'll do some 90s nostalgia. But yeah, the, the, the level of his sword play, obviously in these movies, other than the duel, we've talked about this before. The duel is probably, most people agree, the best and most real sword movie from the 80s. Whereas most movies, it's movie swords and it's just running around, hacking at people, a lot of clanging. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, very little poking. The poking was always the last move in most movies, as opposed to if you watch the duel, they barely, re- they rarely are like parrying stuff. Their, their swords are both pointed at each other the entire time. Because obviously you want to poke them with a pointy end. Yeah. That, we were taught that in Game of Thrones. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure he gets a shout out as just being, I mean, the stuff he did, he did everything from, I'm, I'm going to list some of the stuff off. He did, he was uncredited for stunts in Superman 2. I'd love to know who he played in Superman 2. Uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Duke Nukem High Part 3. No idea why he was in that. The Revenant. He did the stunts on The Revenant. Huh. Uh, I mean, he's an older gentleman and he, if he did those stunts, I'm, I, hopefully he wasn't doing them. It says stunts. So God, I hope he was just like teaching them how to use swords <laughs> or whatever they were using. I'm sure there was weapons being used in the Revenant. I can't remember that now. So, and from Russia with love. So, you know, he actually, Gosh. yeah, I don't remember him <laughs> and the guns of Navarone. So he has worked with Sean Connery before. That's awesome. I was just getting him confused with the the guy who played Fazil, uh, Peter Diamond, who's also like a big sword expert, and that's of course why they had him play Fazil. But he's also he's also the one that trained uh, Christopher Lambert. So we got we got some uh, very well accredited uh, sword boys on. No, on sword movie. masters. Sword, sword masters. Ma- sorry, sorry. We yeah. are but humble sword boys. You'll get you know if you. If, you're going to go back down to young boy if you can't remember what designation you are. Yeah, I know. The terminology is so hard to grasp. It's <laughs> Well, you know, not everything needs to be spelled out all the time. It's okay to have a little bit of mystery, which is why I appreciate the scene that we get um, after the beach of them hanging out in the stables. And Connor straight up asks, like, listen, what's the deal with all this immortal stuff? And Ugh. Ramirez yeah. is like, eh, I don't know kind of a mystery but uh this is what we're gonna what's what's gonna happen it's funny that he's mysterious about how it started but incredibly specific about the gathering mm-hmm. he's like why does the sun come up and then he's like but don't worry at some point your stomach's gonna tell you that you have to go to new york city <laughs> what <laughs> when a few of us remain i wonder if they know how many there are at all times i wonder if they how they feel that like are they do they know right now are they like 40 80 20, two, seven. I, I just want to know that. That's the kind of stuff. I wish there was a ticker. I wish someone had come up with a, <laughs> uh, a Highlander. One of those things that like, it just shows the planet and it's got like a big ticker above it. And it just like 178 immortals. And every year it just kind of <laughs> ticks through a few rattles down. It shows you right. like how they all moved around the world trying to kill each other. This has a scene in it um, where they, that, that is in the book. Ramirez does read from a book called the book of the sword Hmm. uh, from Florence, Italy. So he, he is like more of a knowledge sharer in the book, like of, of sword play. And this, it just seems like, Hey, I'm just going to show you how to 
use the sword and then also we're going to fart around with a deer. Um, (laughs) For some reason, at this point is when they tell us, because it's the forge saying that forge is located near the village of Jedburg at the crossroads to the southern uplands just north of the Chariot Hills. So for some reason in the book, they explain that here. So I don't know if he they were like talking about like where they are, but now we have an actual location. All right. There you so go. Stepping back to the mysticism of it all. I actually prefer there be a little bit of a mystery about it. I, I sure flashback to Metachlorians. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want there to be some weird sci-fi explanation for it. I don't want to learn about magic really? amoeba in the blood or some sort of weird saying you don't want them situation. to be from another planet and then they come down to earth i really don't need them to be aliens don't tell him robin don't tell him what's gonna happen yeah <laughs> i haven't no. looked into it that much because i don't want to dip my toe yeah. into the the sequels before we actually like get to talk yeah. about them proper. it's the jaws thing don't show the monster don't exactly. show the magic just... Wait, are you saying you haven't seen the sequels? Oh, I have on purpose not watched no, the quickening. He was telling me or before. Three. He's telling me before, and this is a for those of you that have never seen the sequels. This might be this might entice you. Rick was saying, so I'm watching this clip from behind the scenes, and they say hoverboard chase, <laughs> and I go, yeah, oh yeah, there's a hover, <laughs> there's a hoverboard chase oh, in God. Highlander too. He's I like, learned before, like <laughs> between last episode and this episode, that the sequel takes place in 2024. So. Oh God! Look forward to that in 2024. Oh yeah, we only have we only have a certain amount of months before we have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about it in 2023 because no, it that's be appropriate. Why would we? <laughs> I also enjoy the fact that they, he's like, I'm not going to explain everything. I mean, it is kind of frustrating because your your brain is like, okay, where did this all come from? What and is there something that Ramirez is not you know letting on? I mean, it reminds me of. Um, uh, interview with the vampire where uh Lestat sires Louis but yet he will not tell him anything about vampire lore or if there's any other people in the world like him or anything like that he's just like go feed and have fun you know uh and uh kind of leaves him a little lost so now McLeod is just like I don't know is he supposed to I mean I assume he's just he's supposed to assume that there's a lot of or several other immortals in the world because of what Ramirez tells him later, but till they get till the time of the gathering, you must learn to conceal your special gift is an interesting because at this point it's it's let's let's be honest, being a Highlander today would be a giant nightmare. Oh yeah, being a Highlander or being a a mortal anytime before the nineteen eighties is probably pretty easy. Just change your name, take on the name of someone who died. Oh, I no one will ever yeah. know. You know, the records, are, you know, otherwise they do piece it together in this movie, but barely. They use they use some zoom and enhance technology. I'm like, mm, yeah, you're pushing it already. Yeah. These yeah. days where you've got uh, so much of a digital footprint, not to say to say nothing of like facial recognition and all that other stuff. I mean, use a Doc. fingerprint to open half the things in the world. So exactly. Yeah, it's, it, it would suck. So I'm glad what I'm saying is I'm glad the the gathering happened in the 80s. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget, guys. Hey, guys, where were you in 1986 when the gathering happened? <laughs> uh, I was in my underoos, I think. I was a 12 year old boy. Just, you know, I was a perfect age for the gathering. Yeah. I had I had all the posters. Young boy. Yeah, I was I was a young boy. Uh, a true but, uh, young boy. Yeah. 
the whole uh, we we will feel an irresistible pull toward a faraway land. I suppose that means North America will, will, will be soon discovered as North America. Yep. Yeah. Because all means. of the important things in history happen in America. And I learned that from my American public education. <laughs> I mean, well, I remember they were they tried to have the gathering in another country and they couldn't get their shit together. So they were, America came in, swooped in and was like, hey, you all know this because you all you all know your gathering lore. <laughs> Gathering 1986. What a great poster. I want to, ooh, maybe oh, <laughs> someone write this down. Maybe our first shirt is a Gathering 1986 oh, like, shirt. Like a con- like a concert t-shirt? Yeah. Like who's going to be like, there? There could be only the, one. Like the All-Valley Tournament or something yeah. like that. Like that kind of. <laughs> I, I would definitely, hey man, I got me one of them t-shirts from the Gathering. <laughs> Where's it going to be held? Oh, in a warehouse in Brooklyn or wherever. <laughs> um. But yeah, here we go into the the trading montage, and this go. is this is all like uh, this is pretty much Rocky too, right? <laughs> oh yeah, well the, yeah, because remember when Mick, remember when Mickey had him uh, was on a horse? We all remember that scene. <laughs> well, no, no, Apollo, Apollo. This is Apollo. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, this we're going to eventually have to fight. You know, and we maybe we have fought before, or whatever. Uh, but I'm going to train you to be better to to defeat a more uh, deadly opponent. Hey Rick, yeah. does this song have a uh, name? Um, the the ba, 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 ba. It probably does, but I don't. I know have it's that from the. I know it's from the actual soundtrack. I love it. I'm sure it's like it might even be called like training. This is back when they had that soundtracks where the name of the song was literally the thing that was happening in the movie. <laughs> There's no uh, puns. So what well, you got to be on dumper duty while you're watching this. Make sure you just keep keep an eye on John Connery's dumper <laughs> because normal at first, you know the sword. Oh, also, by the way, Sean Connery can ride a horse. That's not Sean Connery in the woods. That is Sean Connery on the beach. Sean Connery can ride a, a horse in the water. That's pretty impressive. I'm sure they were like, well, we'll hit her for a week. Let's try and kill him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. If he gets thrown off. And he's horse, hopped up uh, on scotch. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to get on this horse like in Lawrence of Arabia when they got on those camels. Well, really, I got on the horse earlier today, but I'm going to get on an actual horse now. I would. How amazing would it be for that scene? They weren't. He wasn't supposed to be on a horse, but he rides up on a horse and he's like, we're shooting it on a horse. And they're all like, I guess we're shooting it on a horse. (laughs) And uh, Connor somehow is able to keep up with that horse. It's pretty impressive. I would assume at this time in, in the lives of most humans, cardio, not a big concern. So running is probably very hard. And poor blind Lambert. It's like run towards that white oh <laughs> moving God. white blur. All right. So there's going to be a horse <laughs> on my left in the ocean. I want you to run in the ocean. Oh yeah. yeah. With the giant horse next to you. Mm-hmm. Just remember he's blind in all these scenes, which is great. Yeah. All right. Now, Jonathan, I want you to compare Christopher Lambert's running to Tom Cruise's running. Do they even compare? No, uh, not enough. Uh, funny enough, Tom Cruise is, makes his hands into little swords when he runs. And that's uh, the sword yes. run is probably the most effective run. Connor, when he runs, runs like kids run with their hands up. His hands are up a lot. Like he runs like a like kind of like a <laughs> little bit of a flail, like more. Yeah. Of, yes, more of a Scottish flail. <laughs> yeah. Right at the end of that scene. It, I don't even know if that's McLeod. Or if that's Lambert just falling out of character, he literally like waves, waves yeah, away waves, like, like I'm oh, done. I'm done. <laughs> I bet it's, it feels like it's part of, well, you know, yeah, I'm sure he's an actor. So I'm sure he was like, I'm just going to run for, I got about 50 yards in me. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all smoking and drink. I mean, you know, it's the eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
there's probably cocaine there. They, um, those boys, different podcast. That's, that, that's the real, that's the real life quickening right there. Yes. <laughs> Can you feel it? Can you feel it? I feel that deer. You feel that deer? I'm going to go run after that deer and eat its face. <laughs> Cause that new movie cocaine boy, when it comes out, can't wait. Oh yeah. Cocaine boy. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> that's what they call Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> We have some dueling. Uh, I loved the little moment where he swings. He's like, ha, you missed me. And then a tree falls. <laughs> I don't like feel sword that that sword is, is strong enough to be able to cut down a tree. But I don't it... feel like that sword is long enough to reach the tree. Oh, <laughs> should we talk about this? Should we talk about the length of the sword? Is it I... bigger than a baby's arm? <laughs> Wait, no, okay. that's that's for penis size. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> penis boy. Sorry. I'm taking yeah. their material. I'll read. <laughs> Good. I also <laughs> feel like it's odd that the sword cuts through a section of tree that is further away, but also there's a branch that's closer to Ramirez that like if in order to cut the entirety of the tree, you would also have to cut through that branch, but that branch stays intact while the rest of the tree falls over. Look, they were shooting this scene, Rick. They didn't have candles. I blade. They wanted candles. They wanted to let one of those ones where you hit the candles and they all stay and then you knock them over. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. There's like, I don't know. Just because I'm sure fire. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of uh, helicopter shots, which you can tell because the their coats and stuff are whipping around like crazy. I'm impressed they were able to get some of those shots. That seems like on the budget they were on pretty aggressive. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, from what we're hearing about Mulcahy, it's like he's probably been pushing for a lot of those really artsy shots, you know, that, yeah. Well, they they definitely say you know they they go back to the set and uh, the goats are watching as Ramirez beats up on Connor, and and so is Heather. I, I love this I love this interaction because it's like Heather, please, like, I'm really doing my best. <laughs> Stop laughing at me! Come on, it's pretty great. So obviously Ramirez has ingratiated himself with Heather. Mm. How could you not? Yeah. The man is a charisma magnet. I mean, gosh. And look at that dumper. <laughs> <laughs> and then Connor says, if it came down to us too, would you take my head? And and Ramirez doesn't answer. He just kind of knocks him over. And, like, he's off he does a little jujitsu on him, which is great. <laughs> he does a, thought, like a hip throw. It's great. Great. I think it's important that Ramirez does not answer him because when you think about it, if Ramirez is as good of a swordsman as he presents himself to be and if he didn't fight the kurgan as we're going to see at the end of this episode and it actually did come down to the two of them and they went into the fight with the question already being answered back in 1541 it would taint the experience because if ramirez says you know no i would not take your head well then connor would know that ramirez is going easy on him and it wouldn't be a good fight but if the answer is yes then there's going to be that whole like, oh, man, this is my mentor and he's come to kill me and blah, 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 blah. It's... Some questions are better left unasked. I would have killed the the the, the scene you have seen from Highlander 2, Rick, which you told me is him in modern clothes. I would have loved Sean Connery showing up in 1980s clothes, <laughs> like a suit, like a real dapper, just yeah. kind of well, maybe a kilt because why not? Because, <laughs> you know, he's in Egyptian. So, but it would be it would be really cool to see him show up in modern times. I know why they didn't do that. That's great. All mentors have to die in movies in the 80s. Everyone knows this. 
Yeah, I'm surprised Miyagi made it as long as he did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, four movies. You know? It wasn't murder, and whatever was never murdered. He died off screen, like of a natural causes that we know of. So <laughs> and uh, only one person got a hit on him at all in, in all those four movies. So uh, you're you're safe only on holy ground. I love this scene on top of the mountain. This this first scene. This is they have a couple different ones. This one I like because this reminds me of another movie we'll be doing, Beastmaster. Remember when Dar is up on top of the mountain and he does kind of his kata? He's doing his not dur, dar, <laughs> dar, dar. He does like a kata, same as these guys are doing, which is funny that he's doing a kata with a claymore, but whatever. Yeah. I, I enjoy I enjoy that. Is it called kata when it's with a sword or kata? <laughs> It's funny because I've heard kata being used in martial arts, you know, all, all my research on Karate Kid Minute. And that I've heard, the only other time I've heard kata being used is uh, for that movie Equilibrium. They used, they called it gun kata. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I feel like they were trying to come up with a, yeah. Something cool. Yeah, something cool. <laughs> sword kata. Uh, let's see. It just immediately wants me to say sword katana. No, samurai <laughs> sword kata. Uh, okay. I assume yeah. it's just a repetition because it's the it's the repetition of moves in kata. They're doing basically almost tai chi, a slowed down version of their fight moves because it's how you your your muscle memory learns these moves. You learn the correct form, and then it doesn't matter how fast it comes at you, you remember it. Same with the kata of a sword, right? Kata, kata, kata. If you're uh, from Boston, kata. you're doing you're doing sword kata. <laughs> There's a there's a much more uh, there's a there's a bigger holy ground scene to talk about later in this movie, but we did kind of skip past. You, Ramirez sets up the rule that you're safe on holy ground. Mm-hmm. None of us will violate that law. It's tradition. Tradition. <laughs> <just> snapping. <laughs> and I found out something, and it made me want to uh, again watch the TV series. The TV series actually explains that the only immortal to kill another on holy ground was in Pompeii and that triggered the eruption of Vesuvius. Yes. See so how the, that would cause the trouble. I read that. Immortals are like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a question when they're doing that shot, it's, it's definitely the, the extras. You can tell mm. uh, that slow sweeping around their head. Look out in the distance. If someone set a fire out in the middle and they just wanted that to like have ambience, there is a little fire next to them, which is definitely oh, yeah. set by them. But if you look out in the distance, there's also a fire like down in the de- valley. Mm-hmm. I feel like that seems like a production fire. Like, you know, we want it to look like these. We need smoke. Like it makes it more mystical. Do you concur? Yeah, I do concur. And then uh, we get a shot from National Geographic yes. of an elk. Uh, did you read all the all the hubbub on this on this scene? This Yo. scene was the worst. They, the, the stupid elk, they couldn't get it to well, one. It's not the season for them to have antlers. You're right. And I guess they, they were like, no, it can't be a deer. It has to be an elk. Like it couldn't be something that didn't have antlers. So they kept gluing. They would, they brought a veterinarian. They put the thing to sleep, not to sleep, sleep, to, to actual sleep. And they would right. glue antlers on it. Then they'd have to wait on it to wake up. And when it woke up, what's the first thing like putting a, a costume on a dog. First thing it's going to try and do is try and get it off. Take it something off. Something on yeah. my head. There's, there's, something, there's literally something on my head. So they said it was a nightmare of shooting. Uh, did you did you read that? Uh, 
one, at one point the stag ran away yeah. and never came back. It later was found 25 miles away <laughs> without, without the horns, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I read uh, that. It, and so the scene you see at the right at the beginning, that real quick shot is just some stock footage of, uh, of a deer. It's a Highland deer. Highland deer. Oh, wow. I'm a Highland deer. Right, here's oh, the, geez. okay. This scene is what we were talking about earlier about the qu- the quickening and the questions that I have, the questioning that I have. Yes. I feel like I'm I'm feeling the questioning coming on. Mm. <laughs> and we'll get to a later scene in this cut uh, about they're talking about how they felt when the Kurgan showed up. This is different. This is that. This is the force. The quickening is the force. This is you're connected to every living thing. You can feel the energy of other things. And this is where Ramirez gets horny, for lack of a better term. He wants to run. Not like the stag. Yeah. I guess the stag is, I guess, hey, little known fact, deer are always horny. <laughs> Didn't know that. He's like, you feel the heartbeat, feel it pulsing through your veins. And then he starts doing the little kicks, like with his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. The, digging in the sand. Well, because he's starting to breathe heavy, like kind of like getting into it. He's kind of revving up for whatever. Mm-hmm. And he runs blood off. Coursing. Yeah, blood coursing. And he runs, like he runs. I, 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 is the quickening supposed to be like how you tap into energy, how you have more energy, how you are. It doesn't make you stronger, but it, I, okay. This is where I'm confused. This part seems like it's just saying you are part of everything and you can feel and use their energy. Okay. When some, when a immortal takes another immortal's head, the quickening occurs and all this lightning and energy from the old person, from the dead person kind of go, it, they don't really explain it much in the movie, but it kind of goes into the new person. Yeah. So it's the it's same a- thing. It's the same thing. You're basically forcing the energy into you as opposed to, the energy around, but you can also pull it from the energy around you. Maybe that's why they're immortal. Hmm. That's the only thing I was coming out of this as the reason why they're immortal is they're always draining energy basically from everyone. Yeah. Is this more like <laughs> uh, an energy vampire? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you're taking enough from everything around you. No one's dying, but you could, if you were like, it was you and another dude on an Island, that dude might die faster because you're basically sucking all of his energy. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Colin Robinson, the uh, <laughs> yes, the original Highlander. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just didn't quite get. I thought it was more like uh, it was. It, it was definitely feeling very Beastmasterish, mm-hmm. Beastmaster esque. Again, just like the breathing underwater, I was just like, why does it? Wh- what is this? Why is this established? It you know, felt like something handy that, later. It felt like something that should come back later in the movie the idea right. of drawing energy from the natural world i thought he would do that in his final fight because this felt like a final fight this is where you learn to pull your energy from everything yeah like and so that's why he'll always be stronger than the kurgan because the kurgan only takes whereas he's like asking the world's energy to go into him i yeah. don't know also if yeah, you look if you listen really closely robin over on the side you can hear someone going he's only here a week we don't have time for this just go 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 <laughs> go 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 <laughs> I feel like this did not get many, you know, they didn't get to be like, you know what? We should really think about this thing. Just go do. We have three more days. Go, go, go. <laughs> We're losing the light. to be like, well, this is nonsense. Let's put this on the cutting room floor. What? Connery scene? No, no, no. We got to keep all the Connery in. Oh, now. yeah. None of that. <laughs> none of that got cut. Oh, I found out that I don't know if we talked about this in the first episode, but there was a warehouse fire and there are scenes that we never will get to see. Oh, yeah. it's too bad. There are, there are scenes with other people like they were actually in the movie that were cut out of the movie, but there's, I'm sure there's uh, nowadays, especially with how much it's become a cult hit. 
how great would it be to have oh. the outtakes, which of course they don't have for this movie. Right. Yeah. How great would it be to have all that stuff digitally and be able to watch it? I just I, want to hear the director yell cut and then have Connery just let loose with a bunch of expletives. Yeah, I read about one. I hate sand. It gets everywhere. (laughs) That like was just done fighting. And so he basically gives himself up to the Kurgan and just lets him kill him uh, after like a little battle. Like he has like, he had like two swords. That was like one of the scenes that I read that. Yes. It was one of the scenes was a two sworded gentleman was fighting the Kurgan. And then also there was more with the black gentleman who is, he meets on the bridge who we only see die. Yeah. Castigan later on. Castigar. There was his scene with him actually, you know, cause they did the scene from in the extended cut. There's a scene more 1700 scenes that they had some Castigar scenes as well. Hmm. It would have been cool. Yeah. And you know what else would have been cool? Hmm. Uh, especially because the movie is rated R. If uh, Connor was a true Scotsman, Oh God! If you get what I'm saying, <laughs> no, uh, I don't. I know what you're saying. I don't want to. You could very clearly see in the part where they're jumping off the cliff that Connor is wearing some sort of undergarment. True Scotsmen don't wear undergarments. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone knows this. And I, I, I guess you could explain it away by saying that he's like tucked his kilt like between his legs before he jumped. But uh, yeah, it looks like he's wearing a little bikini brief. Oh God, that is a dumper too on Con- uh, faux Connery. <laughs> it's so true. Every time I watch it, like especially when you get to the scene where because um, they run, they do their running, they're having a great time, yeah. they're feeling the quickening. But then he's like, "You feel the quickening?" They jump off the the cliff. Yeah, and then they do their fun that final fight, and it's just dumper Connery. <laughs> <laughs> that may be and that i mean look at that wig it's so bad that may be our sword master let's be honest yeah. that could be the guy that could be our uh bob anderson just yeah, he's got uh some definite flesh colored undies when he jumps i just saw yeah. that sorry yeah how i mean how did they get the actors up on that rock i feel like that helicopter you see that thing over to the side looks like a little piece of like fabric yeah, yeah. i think that's the rope they used to get there and they covered it over with fabric to make it like, Oh, maybe Ramirez took off something to, to fight. Right. But I guarantee that helicopter must come back over and then they have to climb back up in that helicopter. Cause mm-hmm. how do you get, you can't get down, you know, to this day, if you go to the Highlands that those two actors are still there. <laughs> <laughs> and also really the, this, this final duel isn't exactly an exciting one. It's just no. kind of like, okay. It's uh, like left, right, uh, left. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he loses. And it ends on it ends on Sean Connery's sword. fake dumper. There, that sword is so disrespected and gone. In this moment, it's gone, it's guys. So gone. It's gone. They're not going to find that inside the week that they have Sean Connery on set. Uh, I'm glad I brought another one. <laughs> Luckily, my third wife's father made me two of these. <laughs> That's why later when they're at the marketplace, he's like, it's one of a kind because I just lost the other one. I believe in the movie adage. If I have one, I have none. And if I have two, I have one. You know, that's an actual (laughs) movie adage. You know that, right? On props. Of course. If you have one, you have none. One is none. Two is one. (laughs) (laughs) Always have. There's always a bigger sword. And uh, and it's funny because you know the, the the montage ends and Kyder has beaten Ramirez and then it's like now Pendejo shall we see what kind of swordsman you become we've seen it 
We've, we saw it. It had happened and he beat Alpen you. Alpendejo. Yep. It's been three weeks and I finally found my sword. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so mad that you knocked my sword down there, that castle. I love that he also says on guard. Uh, he oh, yeah. uses a French a French word so uh, Connor can understand. <laughs> and Pendejo. Pendejo, yes. <laughs> he uses both a Spanish cuss word and a French word. And uh, Connor does win because he's got the, the high ground. Yep. <laughs> As we know, and it, uh, it this almost is a meat cute. I thought Connor was going to kiss him because when he falls uh, to the ground, kind of like uh, he, he's a very come hither <laughs> falling to the ground. Give me your lips, brother. <laughs> give me your lips, brother. <laughs> uh, that moss looks comfortable. Yeah. Now he's calling him brother. There's a lot more brother in this. I think yeah. we've gotten to the point of, you know, Ramirez has proven himself. Connor has proven himself. They're now, yeah. we're now, we're now immortals together. It's lovely. They've gone from I hate you, that's a good place to start, to give me your hand, brother. And also let's go from also remember one is zero and two is one. So now <laughs> we are now we are two, but we are also one. And a uh, little shout out to uh Hawk the Slayer. If you look at this, the katana sitting in there looks that looks like a fist. The the oh. pommel of his helmet of his uh sword looks like a fist. Wait, we'll I get there. Like the, we'll get there. When he gets disarmed, he kind of tosses the sword back. Uh, just well enough to stick into the ground right next to him. I don't know mm -hmm. if there's a, like a string pulling that down there. So it, or just landed naturally that way. I don't know. Great shot. Love it. On to the festival. Yeah. On to, then they go to, well, this is the gathering 1468, whatever. Well, this is Not, like a, a Highland games. I think it's burning man. Like there's a guy in <laughs> sort the of field. Burning man. But it's, it's actually a man. Yeah, it's actually a man burning in the middle. <laughs> no, no. There's there's a guy tossing a caber in the field. There's a boxing ring. Oh yeah. Um, like they're doing feats of strength. Uh, yeah. I was a little distracted by the banners hanging. Well, you know what day it is, pit. Rick? It's Columbus Day. It's the first Columbus Day. He has oh, discovered God. America, <laughs> and is currently not a bastard yet. <laughs> I bring up the banners because the uh, the colors that are flying mm -hmm. are Clan McLeod and Clan Fraser. Oh, so, so I guess be... oh, good for them. in the last <laughs> five years, they've patched things up. Should he be uh, here then? Now they're celebrating together. Should he be here? Like, it would have been fun if there were older versions of his cousins <laughs> yeah. running around. Again, we should have had Angus wander into this scene. Like, yeah. Let's have some... He could just be one of the guys that's dancing up and down the stairs for no reason. Well, it's only been it's only been like six years, right? Yeah, we're not that far. Yeah. They're not that far ahead. Well, six years though in the fourteen hundreds. Good lord, they're lucky they're all alive. Oh yeah, There's so many dead. And uh, Heather's doing the most Scottish thing of getting herself a chicken. Just put him yeah. in the bag. Uh, question for you: When she puts the chicken in the bag and walks over and gives Connor a hug, what is John Connery picking up off the ground? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Let me scrub uh, to there. I need to get that. That would be uh, 4.43. Mm. Nine minutes and four, 43 seconds. Bull Grabs hand full ass. of ass cheek. Oh, I mean, wouldn't you? Wait. I mean, <laughs> I can't fault him for it. No. <laughs> but Actually, he's so also obvious. so excited. He loves chicken, guys. <laughs> he loves chicken. Oh. What is Sean Connery picking up off the ground? Seriously. It's Wait, not part it? of the scene. Oh, oh, it's right there. Yeah. What the hell? Oh, yeah. Sean, Sean, we're rolling. Sean. <laughs> he, just, he just leans, bends down and picks something up off the ground. Oh, heads up. What's that, what's that a penny? Oh, good luck. <laughs> Bring up some luck. Yeah. All right. And then Heather walks <laughs> off and gets molested by children. That dude yep. grabs her boob, right? 
Well, and, she, and, she, and she's like, ah, oh, kids will be kids. They learned it by watching Connor. Yeah, like, right here. <laughs> yep. Oh, you that, little devils. Go on. One of the kids is solidly. One of those kids yeah. definitely grabs, which is pretty hilarious. Because you're just like, what movie? Come on. You're already not a huge, uh, n- not a huge advocate for women in this movie. Right. <laughs> already. They're always getting yelled at. <laughs> McLeod, oh, yeah. I picked this up off the ground. Now he goes over and talks to him. <laughs> he's giving him a little more information yeah this is a conversation that's good to have now that they've established that they have like a brotherly relationship like sean connery's always been thinking hey you know at some point i'm gonna have to tell this guy that he can't be running around with mortal women uh but maybe not while he's in the i hate you phase although he does say this sword there's only one of a kind and by that, I mean, it's the same as the one you threw down in that ditch. Right. Like, like I say, he had two. Now it's one of a kind because the other one is lost in the gully forever. Right. Um, I, this yeah. is a great scene. Well shot. Uh, I love that he's like, you know, just hands the sword back quietly. And also I was like, how does Sean Connery put that sword back in his sheath? And he does it like a true thespian. And I love it. He looks down at it a little bit. The The sword hole guys. If you're gonna be a sword boy, you gotta know where the sword hole is because you don't want to slice your fingers off thinking you're slicing, sliding it back into the scabbard, and you're actually missing the scabbard. <laughs> also, the extra to the left, the lady, sh- please stop looking at Sean Connery. Please, she's just staring at him. At least she's not looking at the camera. She, it, the one's kind of standing behind the yep. pole there. Yeah, oh, watch it. She's just oh, watching. Yeah, it. that is. To be fair, he does have a sword out. You should always pay attention when someone pulls a sword. Yeah. One number one. So, okay. So sword boy rules. Number one, always watch your sword. Number two, mm-hmm. always be mindful of the sword hole. <laughs> is someone writing this down? I'm sure, I, I'm sure somebody is. The the important but, part of this is the rule that you can't have a family specifically because immortals cannot sire children. Mm-hmm. Now, there, from what I've read exists an early version of the script that contains a line of dialogue where Connor specifically mentions fathering and outliving like scores of children. But by the time they got to the final version of the script, all immortals are sterile. That's just how it is. Um, And I have to wonder, is sterility a good trade-off for immortality? I would say yes. I would also say that they didn't want to make this movie so bleak. Like, if you notice, they took out the the Nazi stuff they did that they shot with Rachel later. Mm-hmm. They, I think that these scenes were, um, R- Rachel? Rachel, yeah. is that, that the, that's the name of his assistant, Rachel right? is, the, is the assistant, yeah. Yeah, uh, I feel like they took out some of the stuff that was like the, the horribleness of humanity. If he had children, it would be more like that. Um, there was a TV show that starred, um, <sighs> Jamie Lannister. It was called like New Amsterdam. Oh, New Amsterdam. The the original New Amsterdam. <laughs> the original New Amsterdam. Yeah. Yes. Where he was basically an immortal. He'd been, well, he was cursed by a Native American. Okay. And he had, he had children all over New York and grandchildren. And they were his friends. Like he knew them. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. the Just the level of loss that you would have. It's in it's insane. Also, you could probably have sex with one of your ancestors. Let's Which be honest. Just a real danger. 
It's a total Jamie Lannister thing, though. <laughs> yeah, it is totally Jamie Lannister. But yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm happy with it being not being part of it. Not having children is, I, I, and also that gives you a, a point of understanding. You're like, oh, so Heather could could easily leave mm-hmm. him. That's why I like the sacrifice that we'll get in the next cut. It's kind of yeah. the sacrifice of he's sacrificing watching her grow old. She's sacrificing never having children. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. We get an explanation, and we get an explanation from Ramirez that, like, his third wife uh, was the daughter of this Masamune, a sword genius, a true sword master. A true sword master. That made uh, the katana back in 593 BC. Made two katanas. There did exist a Masamune (laughs) who existed, I would would argue, like, kind of contemporary- to the time period we're looking at, he was born in 1264. He died in 1343. Oh, that's super contemporary. He's so, super old, too, for that time. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's surprising that he would live that long. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Goro Nyudo Masamune like, is a classic medieval Japanese blacksmith. His work is renowned worldwide. Uh, this other Masamune, like... It's definitely not the same guy. I know there's people that are like, oh, what if Masamune was an immortal and stuff like that? But it's like, I think Brenda explains it pretty well. Like the idea of finding a katana like that in 600 BC would be like finding a 747 in the time of the Wright brothers. Right. (laughs) The technology is just so far out. But uh, it's also a historical historical anachronism to say that there would be a princess in 600 bc japan because i don't think they necessarily had the government set up that way that there would exist kings princesses and etc did we Um, use the term bc when he says bc it kind of takes me out of it a little bit well instead of of him saying i I, it was made for me 1500 years ago if they're talking about uh the year of our lord they're using before christ and apre domino for uh their year markings did that exist at this point because i mean we've just been through a thousand years of Dark Ages, the Gray Ages, whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. This section's weird because if you notice, we go back to the tower and they're sitting there in uh, furs. And mm. if you notice, Sean Connery is not wearing shoes. This is the scene after they jump off the cliff. They just edited it. It's different. This is the scene after they do the quickening. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice it. It's they're both him. wearing furs <laughs> and you can see his little feetsies. Yeah. <laughs> And it, Sean Connery's hair's down. Like it's like yep. casual Ramirez. Oh, <laughs> By the way, you should never there? try to move a casual Ramirez. It is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. I just thinking of how cold they must be. It's like, why aren't they sitting next to a fire? What? Let's go sit <laughs> in the rafters and talk yeah. like little girls. Can we talk girl to girl? <laughs> <laughs> feelings. I don't know, Ramirez. Can you braid my hair? And this is when it this is when it again becomes confusing about the quickening. He says that feeling you felt mm. when you met the Kurgan. I'm always thought that was the quickening, but that's a they have lots of different feelings, guys. Right. What, what I'm learning that is the, that the the immortal tingle. Yeah, the immortal tingle is <laughs> different than the quickening. Yeah, yeah. Connor says it, it, it. I had the same kind of feeling uh, when I fought or the Black Knight. Uh, but with him, it was more painful. And I was, I, I mean, it was note to myself, was it because he stabbed you through the stomach. Was that, <laughs> <laughs> was that the part that didn't feel good or, or is it really like, you know, depending on the person, 
you know, oh, I don't get a, ooh, I don't get a good vibe with him. I'm getting like some real crampy cramps, you know, where mm -hmm. as with Ramirez, he's, he's kind of like, I'm getting a good feeling, but I'm constantly getting struck by lightning. <laughs> so I don't know what to take from this. I'm calling it IMS. It's immortal menstruation <laughs> symptoms. Could we, we have do something IMS. Like more like a, like an IBS? Like a yeah, beheading? Like a mortal, syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> it's an immortal. Uh, I, it's IBC. Uh, it's uh, immortals be close. <laughs> How's that? And of course, the, the the immortal code ABC always be chopping. <laughs> always be chopping. Always A. Always B. B. C. Chopping. <laughs> and we uh, yeah, and they they explain a little more about uh, the Kurgans. We we learned that they were uh, the ancient people from the steppes of Russia. Yeah. So and uh, and the in the the whole we talked about what the Kurgan was before about you know they for amusement they threw their children to pits with dogs. Yep. That's oh. part of what we talked about before, like Kurgan's origin story. Yeah, Good so times. something I didn't know about <laughs> is that there is a thing called the Kurgan hypothesis, mm -hmm. also known as the Kurgan theory, the Kurgan model, or the step theory. Whose PhD it, is this? <laughs> it is the most widely accepted proposal to identify the Proto-Indo-European homeland from which the Indo-European languages spread out throughout Europe and parts of Asia. It postulates that the people of a Kurgan culture on the Pontic steppes north of the Black Sea were the most likely speakers of the Proto-Indo-European language. The term is derived from the Russian uh, word for, of Kurgan, meaning a tumulus or burial mound so is this is not based on the uh, highlander the movie right right they didn't, they didn't name it the, uh, the kurgan are a people like, the movie took the uh, took the word kurgan from something that already existed gotcha but yeah it's it's this high this widely believed thing that there is like an area on the pontic step north of the black sea where you all keep of saying the that Europeans, like i know where that is you, you know, know the pontic from. step yeah yeah, I vacation there frequently. Okay, you know, <laughs> uh, well, it 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 does help kind of explain the Kurgan's path because we know he was in Rome, he was in Greece, he was a Visigoth, he was with all these different Attila the Hun, he's with all these different people, and they were that's basically who seeded Europe and became Europe. Like his his sword is a we'll get to it when we get to showing more of it about his sword because this is the sword boys. I've got some <laughs> I've got some information that I didn't have uh last week that I wanted to bring up about his sword and like how it's built and like what kind of sword it is. But yeah, it's he 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 has like a German influence on his on his sword and thing and that's part of probably you know his people. He the the joke is in the movie is for all of us is they base this on something real that happens. There is there is these Kurgan that were probably the beginning of the of the of our language. These people it, it all went into Europe. Okay, but in the movie, the Kurgan is the one who's like farting around using this language, going to different places. So did he influence? Not only his people influenced it, but also he influenced it by going places. And they're like, oh, he who is he? He's the Kurgan. Oh, okay, yeah. It's fun facts. He's the strongest of all the immortals. Yeah. What What is with this? How does Ramirez come across this information? Was it given to him? If he wins the prize, mortal man would suffer an eternity of darkness. Yeah. It's but not an eternity because you become human. It's the Kurgan's <laughs> sadistic nature. But we know that a, the prize is human is to be human again. So, so what does that mean? Well, like he would. Is it, 
but he would know everyone's thoughts over everybody. Okay. And he would set up a regime that would last a thousand. He would set up a Reich. Would he invent a a shield that blocks out the sun? Because that feels feels like a bad guy. Yeah. Pretty sure Connor McLeod does that in the next movie. With the gift, no, that was that was Tony Stark, and uh, we get uh, we get my second favorite line, other than what was it? Not punch and pie. It was like a uh, pie and ale. <laughs> pie and ale. ale. <laughs> <laughs> Do Heather, you want it? I believe Heather no. says that. And then he says, "My favorite. How do you fight that? You fight it with heart, faith, and steel." Um, in the end, faith, there can be only one. Faith is an interesting yes. one. Faith in these movies is always an interesting thing because in this. Faith is important because holy ground is considered something. Yep. Mm-hmm. In most of the sword and sorcery movies, there are rarely uh, uh, like our gods, the gods that are in the real world. It's always like, I pray to the god Higdor and, you know, I have the power of the blah, bloodstone. Rom! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always, it's always like vaguely something else. Almost like they're like, we can't piss off the Christians. <laughs> So I'm interested in the way the that faith plays into this movie in that it's even something that the Kurgan won't. He won't go against the holy ground. Is that holy ground of any religion? That might have been talked about more in the Highlander TV show. I mean, yeah, I don't, and I they, didn't watch um, that. So yeah. in, in the episodes of the Highlander TV show that I've seen, and I haven't gotten past the first season, they do a lot of Christian-specific locations being holy ground, but there's at one point where Duncan is trying to avoid the game. And so he builds his cabin on holy ground and it's holy ground. That's like designated by the local native peoples. Right. That's what I'm wondering. Holy like, ground. Yeah. So I think that, it's just, yeah. you know, it's a, it, there's like a general spiritual miasma that you can just sense. Like, but there's oh, not yeah, a, there's not, a, it won't hurt them. They could kill somebody. Obviously the Pompeii thing they've written that in. Yeah. It's more, it's a tradition. They've literally just said, we're not going to do it no matter what. So if you wouldn't, ah, 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 holy ground. <laughs> and, like, yep. Yeah, it was holy ground 600 years ago, but now it's an Arby's. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, faith, the word faith doesn't always have to be like faith in a, a higher power. It's just sure. faith, believing in yourself, faith in your abilities. Sword, faith in sword your sword. Faith. Yeah. Is that is that rule number three? After sword hole is always believe in your sword. <laughs> always believe in your sword. faith in your steel. Always yeah. believe in your sword. I'm writing these down. You don't okay, have to wait so, while I write it down. So, <laughs> so shall we get into me. shall we get into uh, Castle Connor at night? Yeah, Con- Connor has gone out for I'm guessing like milk and cigarettes or something. He has like gone that. hunting. In the book, it says he has gone hunting. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Oh, and uh, in the book, stag. the story that yeah, I was a stag. In the in the in the book, uh, Ramirez tells the same story, but he is trying to steal the love, this love of his, from another immortal. That's all they left out. So he he cl- he climb, puts a rose between his teeth and climbs in her window. Yeah, and of course, very she's much not sounding there. like Zorro here. Yeah. Climbs in and she's like, what happened? What happened then? It wasn't her. What happened then? Well, she was very accommodating. She was most helpful. Yeah. It goes from Zorro to James Bond. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Oh, I'm still going to have sex with her because I climbed in a window. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Look at me. (laughs) I've been this sexy for 2000 years. (laughs) And then he, uh, he gets his Ramirez tingle. 
Yep. Yep. And I, I, they, they show a shot of the, the pigeons being disturbed inside. The, I'm just like, Oh my God, the amount of shit that must be in that castle. Oh yeah. It's constantly very raining down, always raining down on them. That's also, why it's covered in up moss. in the rafters. They're like, yeah, we sit down here. We get covered in shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you notice also, you know, they've got this giant stone building and there's just a fire, like just on the floor, like willy nilly over the left of them. Yeah. <laughs> Where should we put our fire? Just on the floor. Put it next to the table. The thing made of wood. No. Oh, they're, oh look, they're drinking. They have bread bowls. Robin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bread bowls. Maybe uh. he's maybe he's learned to love haggis. You know, they've made him haggis since he's been there. How I learned to stop worrying and love haggis. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to talk to. Uh, Connor, though, about the uh, balsa wood door <laughs> that they built. Not great. Uh, well, oh. it actually brings on one of Kurgan's best lines in this movie, which is, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it would have been inappropriate for him to hack a hole in the door and be like, here's Kurgan. Well, he, you know, <laughs> he they it wouldn't be lost up. on them. They, they, they wouldn't know the reference. What if he popped up the same way he did in the earlier cut? When like already in right the building, him, like, like <laughs> hello, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we hear Kurgan before he has his. It's his pre-Kurgan voice. It's his non-slash voice. We only get one thing from them saying Ramirez, and then a rar, and then we get sliced in the neck. Okay, because yeah, that was a note I had. I was like, we should have heard more. I mean, because no, in the earlier battle with yeah, you know, remember like, our deal, Murdoch. Yeah, it's not. If you, it's yeah, it's it's kind. It's it's basically Kurgan, but it's it's lighter. It's not. I just think it would be hilarious. He's just like the beginning of the movie. He's just like David Prowse. <laughs> Remember our deal. Yeah. Hello there. <laughs> I'm I'm Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Remember our deal. Well, I mean, it's so weird because it's not like Clancy Brown has a. I mean, he does crab, so he obviously has range with his voice. It would be hilarious if yeah. he had more of that, like his speaking voice, his normal speaking voice. Mm -hmm. uh, he also has what we will miss is those long locks he has on he has his uh, giant hair such a hairy man and he's still wearing most of his armor mm -hmm. from the Fraser battle he's uh, stripped off some of it for I guess uh, you know to show the passage of time it's very close to what he's wearing in modern day which with the with the nothing on the because he's actually in full battle armor on his left and right arm in the Fraser fight Whereas this, he's his whole right arm has nothing on it. It's sleeveless. So I, I kind of feel like, do you think he just gets battle damage like Kurgan now with battle damage? This is the battle damage, Kurgan. Well, I mean, <laughs> we got that look in 1983 and 1985 with the Road Warrior Beyond Thunderdome. So we know that cool guys have jackets with one missing sleeve. Uh, Ramirez slashes him in the neck almost immediately. Very quick. Oh. It's so cool. It's just like immediate. It's very surprising. It's you're like, oh wow, Ramirez is really actually really good to just to be like, <laughs> start looking at your watch. You're like this movie is only forty five minutes in. There's no way he's gonna beat him. I just wanted to give you guys a, a, a bit of trivia. Uh, hmm. According to uh, the director, when they first shot this scene, uh, Clancy, did you see there was like a candelabra on the table yeah. there? Clancy ran in and cut through the candelabra. Uh, and it says nearly decapitating Sean Connery. As oh a result, God. Connery stormed off the set. Later, Connery returned and, and Clancy apologized, saying he was just really nervous. And Connery joked, he's like, uh, you should use your stunt double more. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if Kurgan had a stunt double. I truly, <laughs> I truly don't. I'm sure for some of the scenes, because there are some scenes where he's like flipping his sword around, but also unrelated or, mm. or sort of related. Uh, according to IMDb, Clancy Brown played a woodshop teacher on an episode of the Goldbergs mm-hmm. and served as a faculty advisor to the kid uh, Adams mm-hmm. Highlander Club. Yes. Which is, again, I, I saw read these things. Oh, okay. So you watch the Goldbergs. Okay. I, I used I used things. to before it sucked. Um, oh, now okay. it sucks. <laughs> it sucked for the, like the past four years. But There's so much bait I hear about that. I'm like, what? Wait, Clancy Brown was what? <laughs> Yeah, he, Highlander he, Club. What? what? Anybody who was anybody, anybody he, in '80s icon is probably in the show at yeah. some point, which is pretty great. Yeah. Mark Hamill's is, in it. It 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 calls to me, but every time I try, I'm like, it's just a, a sitcom. It's, just, it's not yeah. worth it. Trust me. Yeah. It feels like nice. a ploy it's, from the people who made the movie to say, "Hey, let's get all our favorite '80s icons to come and work it's for a, us." It's a, no, it's a ploy for whoever yeah, made the uh, TV show. Yeah. Guess things. Because well, the point of the Goldbergs is, it's the kid Adam Goldberg in the '80s how he became a writer and movie maker and, and TV show person but before he became what he actually became. He doesn't even write on the show anymore. He's left the show. The guy who Adam, <laughs> Adam F Goldberg. Uh, but all the, the, all the in jokes are how he became like F is not his middle name. He had to put his, in his middle name because there was already an Adam Goldberg that's on the show that happens on the show. <laughs> He's in high school with another guy named Adam Goldberg. <laughs> like so there's all this stuff like yeah all it's always very winky winky to the 80s back His when it was good of course was Fazil. Fazil. <laughs> now have Fazil, you guys wait. heard about have you guys heard about the movie rule where the person who strikes first is the one who loses hmm. no i think it's something that was originally pointed out to me in like star wars movies like whoever makes the first attack is the one who ultimately loses well that doesn't happen here because um, kurgan, kurgan kills that table well I do when okay. I think it's time for a sword fight breakdown. All right, here we go. <laughs> Yay! Cue the music. Uh, it's a sword fight breakdown. I don't technically count the Kurgan chopping through the door and chopping through the table as the first move of this fight. You consider uh, that aggressive um grandstanding? Yeah, it's it's posturing, it's grandstanding, it's, you know, here I am in your house wrecking things up because Ramirez is technically the first to swing. He does a high diagonal slash, it's blocked, and then he yeah. does a quick lower slash at the Kurgan's leg. So that metal brings... on metal is your yep. first or oh, slash, a slash at someone is the is the is like we know how what a sword is now. Yep. What a what an actual sword fight is. It's never the stuff beforehand where now, what if he was running at Connery and like hit the table, and Connery like had to move out of the way to keep from being hit? Is that considered the first move? It could be. If you're in mortal peril, is it the sword move? But the jump and the the cut on the table is so obviously like yeah. he's gunning for the table because well, he's already stood up, so he's yeah. in no he's in no danger. Yeah, this um, man hates these tables. <laughs> <laughs> but it's tables. interesting that uh, the Kurgan's tables. low block. From the, the second slash is what allows Connery to cut at his neck so because cool. his sword is low uh-huh. and made for it. I can't imagine how the Kurgan sword matched up against this katana, but yeah. here we are. 
But as the Kurgan is holding his throat with one hand, that allows Ramirez to press the advantage oh, with a series of high diagonal swings, all of which are blocked by the Kurgan's raised blade. Uh, after four blocked swings, Ramirez kicks the Kurgan in the belt, sending him stumbling backwards, which yeah. allows Connery to do that little flourish as he's crossing the room. That's that's Connery doing that, too. Yep. Well, it is. And then there's a it's funny. Connery's doing the wide shot and then they go right back to the to the to dump truck to dump truck booty man, <laughs> you know, doing the work. So it, it's yeah. it's it's a pretty well, again, well done scene. And the fact that they, I'm impressed with how much work they got out of him in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, they did the outdoor stuff. They did the beach stuff. And they did the stuff here in the Citadel and in that Glen, that mossy Glen. So it's pretty great. Yeah. So it, my cut has improved your voice. I yeah. it's I love his his whole candor in this fight is great. I don't enjoy. We'll get to it. The end of the fight, he kind of gives up and literally turns his ass toward the Kurgan. Like, well, I'm just gonna turn around now. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else I can do. I mean, you could have done other the way things. You the immortals the though. They always do that. You don't have to though. You could grab him and jump around with him like you could grab his sword he's obi-wan though he's got it he's like well this is the part of the movie where uh, yep <laughs> i guess i gotta kill i gotta die is uh, because you know i can't fight connor at the end of the movie it's gotta be gergen and connor, connor. <laughs> we also get a great shot of uh connery's pearl earring he's got a pearl earring ah yes i saw this in trivia i did not scroll ahead to look but it uh i saw that if you watch the Kurgan in the eighties is wearing that earring on his leather jacket. Son of a bitch. Oh, yeah, he took a lot of I, I did not know a couple that. of trophies. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so the Kurgan retreats up the stairs mm-hmm. after pushing Tiger you know, Ramirez back. Uh, is it just about getting the high ground? Is that? Oh, hundred percent. It is because he knows that sword. He needs to get to a place where that sword can't have as much mobility. And there's a lot less mobility up on those up on that thing. There is down where he's like Ramirez can whip that thing around. Whereas up there, it's more of a cling clang kind of you know fight. A lot less, a lot less of his cool uh, jujitsu, not, not, not jujitsu, whatever it was. It was a uh, Kenjutsu. But then of course he throws him right off the edge. Yeah. They get a little bit of a, a, cl- a like a cling clang, like you said, and, Connery gets his back against the wall. And I imagine that's what allows him to have the leverage to just. I would have jumped what, down what, on top of him. What did the kids sword. say? He yeeted him he ye- off he the platform. Yeeted. He was <laughs> Well, there's, there's your balance. It's, it's come back. Ramirez knows more about balance than, uh, than Kurgan does. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even though he's the greatest warrior. And we now know how long <laughs> it takes to basically uh, heal as an immortal from a sword cut to the neck. About the 15 seconds it took him to climb up those steps. <laughs> he's now like kind of fine now because now he's smiling again. Like he's he's back on the offensive. Do you notice after he falls down, which is crazy. Also, this is this building. Someone should OSHA should come and look at this building there. They really <laughs> should. There's a lot of problems with this. There are very few hand railings. Everything. Well, that's very Star Wars. But yeah. uh, the the walls are falling apart by the just touching them. Whatever you do, do not swing a sword at any of these walls. That was Connor's first speech coming in, and Ramirez is like, "Oh, I'll remember that." Yeah, welcome, welcome to my home. Uh, the walls are very old. <laughs> the styrofoam budget on this scene alone was so much. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of styrofoam. Yeah, as 
the Kurgan is pursuing Ramirez up the stairs. The first time the, his sword connects with the wall, it blows out like you would think a wall would do when yeah. struck by a sword. But in subsequent times of him hitting the wall, uh, the, the, the wall explodes inward. Yeah. You know, for for reasons. Meanwhile, Heather is just running around the bottom of the castle, and he, she's already been told to run. And yet, why why isn't she running? Run! Maybe maybe leave is, <laughs> yeah. is what we're saying. Now there's falling rocks and timber. It's yeah. time to go. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. You know, we're all having a good time, except for Ramirez. Uh, but yeah, maybe maybe it is time. Uh, perhaps go out and look for Connor. So Ramirez skewers the Kurgan. Mm. And sticks him with the pointy end. Yeah, it's oh. great. And then he that. pulls it. Yes, out. he says. He goes, yes, like <laughs> that's another like it hurts, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> enjoying the humiliation of Kurgan. My Kurgan pulls there it out and then and then bashes him a few more times. And there then... is a wild expression on Connery's face as he's standing there with a sword in someone's midsection. Yeah, mm. wild-eyed, grinning like a madman. Probably the last day of shooting. Yeah. But it's also a <laughs> such a badass move for the Kurgan to pull the sword out with the one hand and yeah. then bend Ramirez back. I was three sheets to the wind at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just noticed that sorry I'm sorry to notice this, but as he's bending the sword back, Connery has got his uh full pelvis in the air. It really looks like he's wearing a little cod piece down there. Oh, I'm that's not a cod as piece. Was Robin. the style at the time. That's all me. I brought this from Jardos. This is my Spanish peacock. <laughs> from Zardos. Oh, what a great movie. So yeah, there's definitely it's it's a cod piece. It's an external cod piece, which is fun. Yeah. It's like, like a little pouch. You know what? It looks kind of like a haggis. <laughs> it's a bladder filled with meat and barley. <laughs> <laughs> so he lightly grazes Ramirez across the chest, cutting him, yeah. and then Ramirez loses the will to fight, and I guess the movie does too. Yeah. He turns him around, skewers him. And the Ooh, lightning startles Ramirez so much. He doesn't have his thunder shirt on nope. to comfort him, and he drops his sword. You know, I've, been, I've lost two swords in two days. <laughs> he had two, so he had one, but now he only had one, so he has none. Yep. The rule still applies. <laughs> I do dig the fact that the you know Kurgan is just a great villain, and That's so great. Earlier, he he was kind of humiliated by uh, Ramirez by oh it hurts, you know. I I cut his improve your voice, but here he just like comes right up on Ramirez's ear, and he just goes hurts. He practically <laughs> has Ramirez's ear in his mouth. It is that close. <laughs> a little kiss on the cheek, brother. Now, it would have been nice if he'd called him brother, too. Kind of like being an immortal is the brotherness, not the closeness. But I get it. Yeah. Like, I'm like, do... like a brother in arms. Because this is kind of like a very chivalrous thing they do. We shall fight to the death. Yeah. And whoever, so, whosoever winneth the fight shall. So, yeah, he he, he he jabs him, stabs Ramirez through the chest. He then. uh can we just say this is a little, he really, he's got him almost like bent down. He's behind him and he shoves his sword right. <laughs> Are you saying there's some sort of uh, implication when the Kurgan is penetrating yeah. uh, Ramirez from behind? I mean, think really, something... like, do you also think that like a... Ramirez is going to hell? Oh, I mean, Christian hell. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You live that long, you, you're going to rack oh, up. Oh, you've some, just done uh, some stuff? Yeah. Okay. You're going to rack yeah. up some bad deeds. Tonight you sleep in hell is what he says. He also asks about the woman. And Honestly? Ram- Ramirez oh, yeah. valiantly says that it's his because he knows if he says it's Connor's, she, he'll kill her. Yeah, he, he says he does. I guess. <laughs> I mean, really, either way, it's uh, it's, it's not, not going to end well for Heather. But uh, gonna, yeah, you really got to give Ramirez credit for just spitting full into the Kurgan's face. Be like, mm, yeah. I'm not going to give you any satisfaction out of this. Yeah. Yep. And there can be only one lops off his head. He has his quickening. It's our first like real quickening. Yeah, I'd say. I like how Clancy Brown takes this little moment where he like the Kurgan actually seems just a little surprised by like, whoa, (laughs) that was a lot. Because the first quickening we got was in a car garage. So it like was all effed up by the fact that it was inside concrete and everything was exploding. This is just so normally it's basically just a lightning storm and this. Yeah. Mm. Seems much nicer. Yeah. Something that the TV show talks a lot about is that when you defeat an immortal, you're getting a lot of their specific essence juice and uh, Ramirez juice. had a lot of juice. I am after, really drunk you know, right now. I mean, just 400 years. This now does the Kurgan, does the scotch drunkness transfer to the Kurgan <laughs> after the quickening? His blood alcohol level just spikes. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> How is this guy standing up? Not only that, he cut me in the neck. How was he able to do that? And then lightning strikes the what's left of the the steps and he falls down. We know he's fine. He's already fallen from that height once. His hand comes out of the rubble, it grabs her neck and says, hello, pretty. But what a great, you can see the way he grabs her. Clancy Brown barely touches her. He like barely is holding her. It's the stage choke, which is I'll put my hand up and you take your hands and put it to my hand. You hold my right. hand to your neck. And I will literally just and it looks like you're defending pull, trying to pull. Away and I will literally just, yeah, just have my hand loose around your neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a kind soul. <laughs> Not in the Clancy's scene. Great. In stark contrast to the character that he's playing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great place to end the cut because it's a great ending to this scene and also a great week of the Ramirez. Yeah. So good. It's 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 a bummer that we don't get more of Connery in this movie, yeah. but we just get one God we get, damn we get they, one voiceover at the end. That's it. They milked everything they could out of the week that mm. they had with him. This and is better as God million dollar as million dollar short time on movies. What's one of the best? Uh, you know, this you've got the Marlon Brando and Superman as Jor-El, but he's not in it as long as Connery's in this movie. I'm trying to think. Are there other famous ones where you got a million dollars for a day's work or a week's work? There, there are some out there. This one though might be the best, like Agreed. the most use of it. But mm. it, it's you know it's one of those things where he just it, people say Connery is a pain in the ass. Connery is a was a you know kind of a womanizer and he, I believe he beat his wife. Um, not a great guy, but god damn it, his charisma is good, freaking, good actor, it, bad person. Just he's so. good great he's just <laughs> so great in this movie and all these movies think about all the movies that have happened since the level of they're always like you know when you try and explain you're like i need a sean connery you know i i need a sean connery from highlander anytime you have a movie like uh, uh where i'm about to go on and, and do a, a a quick 
guest spot on the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. They're like, that's another, that's literally a Sean Connery moment. They're like, we need somebody to play Richard. And he only yeah. needs to be here for a day. This is another, I, I don't remember how much money he made on that, but I know it was a lot. But those kind of scenes, like take the movie Excalibur. Excalibur, did it have that that amazing one actor? All of them are really good and they're all British. So I don't know. There might've been actors in it like Merlin, all these people, these might've been actors yeah. that had more of a, more uh, of a cachet they were bringing to the movie, but really to me, it seems like an ensemble movie. This movie is the Sean Connery movie that we love. When you're talking about what's your, one of your favorite Sean Connery movies, it's always Highlander. He's in it for 15 minutes, 17, well, actually 18 minutes and 23 seconds. Basically <laughs> let's give it, let's give it 19 minutes. Cause he's in the other scenes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, He's 20 minutes of a movie is that one of the quintessential parts of my childhood is this movie with him. It is so impressive that they shot it over a week because it is a lot of movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of exposition. They're yeah. in four different places, distinct places. Plus, I mean, obviously, again, all the shots they shot up on the mountain with them, they probably shot around the same time they were doing together. But then a lot of the other shots are their stunt doubles done whenever it it's impressive very efficient for 86 i in 1986 when i saw this i did not know those were stunt doubles or that, that he'd only been there it didn't feel slight it felt great no and you know i mean i mean you could kind of like take that trivia and let it just kind of go away and <laughs> just be like yep that's all connery and yep. uh yeah it, He's a co-star. Of this movie, I mean, true, I mean, I think in our show we should maybe even have something like a status, like a, he was a true con, you know, a Connery level performance. Because they're always going to be these movies become extreme. These '80s sword and fantasy movies are a formula. It's mm -hmm. always young hot guy with <laughs> hot girl, funny sidekick, and weasoned, uh, you know, weasoned magical man. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Older man teaches you the ways. It's Star Wars. It's everything. It's these movies. Uh, yeah. Well, I guarantee we'll be we'll be definitely comparing a lot of the films that we we cover in the future to Highlander. So, yeah. oh, because well, <laughs> it is one of the greatest. <laughs> and I know there are ones that came before it, and there are ones that came after it that are just as great. But this, for me, at least for this group, was the you know the uh, us saying, yeah, we should do talk about this. So uh, what's your uh, what's your sword of the week? Uh, do you have one <laughs> favorite sword moment? A sword of the oh, week? Yeah, uh, Ramirez's lost sword that went down into the uh, the, <laughs> oh, the, the, the rocks, the one that will never be found again. Yeah, That's my sword. Lady of the in week. the lake. <laughs> <laughs> She's now in the bog. Sword of the in the lock. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I I love I love all of these this part. And there's there's this is other than the scene with the Frasers, which was of course our a most sword moment. <laughs> this has the most sword fighting of the movie until basically the end. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. I oh, give yeah, it a, I give it a B plus B plus <laughs> B plus sword fighting. Yeah. Three stars. That sounds That's good. a good set. All right. But What's yeah. coming up uh, next time. Yeah, next, next time. <laughs> this next episode is for the ladies. Oh yeah. Connor and Brenda get to know each other. We, get the backstory of how Rachel became Connor's assistant and it's back to the 16th century where Freddie Mercury will ask us all the very important question who wants to live forever just when you thought 
the movie was all the good stuff was already used up. Now that Connery is gone, we've still got so much more. That's right. <laughs> Get so ready for heartbreaking sentimentality. <laughs> yes. From us as, as hosts. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait. Just, just three grown men weeping because <laughs> weepy boys, their love was just so pure. You guys, I, I he stayed even... with her. Also, we, I'll, I'll don't worry, I'll break it with uh by ragging on the old old person makeup that they oh, put poor, they put poor Heather in. It's so bad. It's so bad. But yeah, if you want to watch that specific chunk ahead of time, you go from fifty nine minutes eleven seconds to one hour sixteen minutes and thirty five seconds. All right. Well, as usual, it's been a pleasure, boys. Yes, definitely. Um, until 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 next week, you can. Uh, Email us at swordboys.biz at gmail.com and find our website, swordboys.biz. That's got all of our episodes. And uh, we'll see you then. Always remember where your sword hole is. Always watch your sword hole. (laughs) And wait, what's the other one? Always believe in your sword. (laughs) Faith in your steel. With a heart, faith, and steel. Clang, clang. Clang, clang. Clang, clang.